Blog Talk Radio. talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. And good morning. You are listening to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. Hosted by Leslie and Tracy, we are here to just have a good time today. Even though As we talk about suffering, <laughs> right, even though our topic is suffering, um, well, we don't believe in suffering, so I don't know how we're going to talk about it for an hour. That's fine. But uh, we'll see what happens. So, hope you are having a great start to your week if you're listening live and. Whenever you listen to this, I hope your week is going just fine. What was our topic last week? I've had internet difficulties this morning. I couldn't go back, and my uh, my mind works three fourths of the time. Do you think if I affirm that it worked one hundred percent, that that would be better? But that might be better, but it really doesn't matter. Last well, week our topic was destiny. Oh. And is destiny, destiny decided by God, or is destiny right. decided by us individually, or destiny, is there no such thing as destiny? And you know, there is a hook there with suffering, because I do think there's some philosophical beliefs that, you know, suffering is part of the design of life. Well, especially if you are Buddhist, you believe that, mm-hmm. and if you're traditional Christian, that the best you can be is a sinner, and so you have to suffer because okay. of the choices you make as a sinner, Right, so that kind of would hook into destiny, wouldn't it? Kind of. It's, since you seem to have a, a need to hook the two together. Uh-huh. Yes, sir, I have a need to thread last week with this weekend. Yeah, I'm perfectly and happy with and destiny was last week's conversation, and now we're going in a, into, suffering. into suffering that could stand totally on its own. That is so cute, yes. But I do, I do like to kind of connect the dots between the two. And it is, it, there, is a, there is a connection. I would not have thought there was a connection between destiny and suffering, but now that I think about it, there certainly is a connection between the idea of that, you know, we're destined to suffer and uh, <laughs> the idea of that. But that's good. That's good. Then we don't have to do any more of that then, so we can let that go, let destiny go, and come on suffering. So you're walking as if you were suffering today. You know, I'm suffering physically. Isn't that interesting? I don't normally have any kind of physical things going on, but I uh, popped I popped my back. Would you? Would that be a good term? I heard a pop about a week ago and uh, suffered greatly in that moment, and then it got better and better. And this morning I picked up something and caused it to kind of re-injure. Uh, re, uh, but I have this, uh, I'm, I'm a Louise Hay, big into that whole physical meaning, something emotional. I have a book that I got from a spiritual teacher called Messages for the Body that talks about the different messages. And the uh, middle, lower back is about financial insecurity. Now, that's just nutty because that applies to my life emotionally. And I just think that just is fascinating. Isn't the body oh, an amazing, amazing teacher, too? Yes. So so there so that in my terms when we're talking more about suffering one of the things that I'll ponder you know is my suffering trying to be useful or trying to be helpful trying to give me something to oh is the suffering, the suffering itself serving a useful purpose. purpose right 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 oh I thought you were at first saying is it suffering to be helpful like to other people oh my God. <laughs> Okay, no, okay. I'm not I'm not totally present, I guess. I just you know I love it. Um that 
Yes. Is the is there a message in suffering? Is there a lesson in what we what we label or experience right. as suffering? Right. Yes. And if we believe that nothing happens by accident or coincidentally, and right. if everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to, then it would not be difficult to make the connection that if I'm experiencing this as suffering. Okay. What am I supposed to be getting out of this so I can move on? Right. Versus just, well, I stay in this state of suffering. Right. Yeah, because I think last week at the end of the show when we noted noted that suffering was a topic for today, I um, had the Ernest Holmes quote up that, I do not believe that God has imposed suffering upon anyone to punish them or to teach them a lesson. Ah, and um, but in the context of being familiar with Ernest Holmes, then you know it would be easy to make that connection of that's right because God's goal is not to make you suffer. God right. is all about love, and our human processing of that would be oh I better learn a lesson from this or this this is a bad thing. Number one, we label it as bad or hard. Right, right, right. Initially. Versus just, versus just this is the way it is happening. Um, See, I think I'm way ahead spiritually of, you know, the people that think it's, you know, that uh, it's just happening. I think there's a lesson. So I think that makes me more evolved spiritually. No? Not really? According to home. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> I want to be I mean, your back is hurting. I can let you emotionally have that. And then at some future week, come back to it. That's good. That's good. That's good. It's good that I'm in physical pain for this topic today. Uh, It is funny how these things happen to show up when we are uh, talking about things. Um, Not quite related uh but but similar about things showing up uh-huh you know in our lives when we're talking about them or thinking about them so in um in our practitioner class one of the things that we're talking about is um you know just how the recent are thinking about we were asked to think about how have um how have our personal perspectives of ourselves changed, you know, as we've been going through this training, and how do we see ourselves as practitioners or, you know. And so it's really interesting. I was in another conversation with someone who was talking about their experience with someone who's a practitioner, and I thought, wow, I'm having this experience of doing the vision boards. I'm having this experience of being even in these conversations, and it's it's not always comfortable for me, but I see myself stepping into, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that you'll be having all the time when you're a licensed practitioner. These will be things people will be asking you to do all the time. And it's like, oh, okay, this, this is no accident that it's happening. So I can imagine with... Uh, pain in your back and making uh-huh. the connection and we're talking about suffering. It's it's all connected. All connected. Even though you weren't consciously thinking about the topic of suffering. There you go. You had to have that. My body was helping me understand that on a in more instinctive level. Or you know, more uh what do you call it, uh, experiential level. You would say that. Experiential. Conceptual, conceptual learning, experiential learning. So here's what Peter Morrell has to say about Buddhism and suffering. Buddhism is a religion pretty centrally concerned with suffering. It never really stops studying the suffering of oneself and the suffering of other people. These form a central focus of the religion in practice and in its philosophy. When one is encouraged to explore what suffering is, the various forms it comes in, and their root causes. Though they can all be reduced to attractions and aversions based upon the illusion of a real self which desires certain things and is averse to other things, 
This is not immediately obvious or a point easily grasped. And that really makes sense to me because, I mean, at one point in my life, I was actually studying Buddhism almost solely. And for about 10 years, I was really guided by uh, Buddhism, Taoism, the, the Eastern religions, the Eastern practices. And the Four Noble Truths in Buddhism, you know, really the first truth is there is suffering. There is suffering, right? <laughs> you know, or life is suffering, that there will, that happiness is a temporary state. That happiness and pleasure are not really to be sought out and that it's temporary and that most of the time what you experience in life is suffering and the goal to be you know, when you are truly in, you know, evolved or truly allowing the Buddha to live in you or through you, that you're in a totally neutral state, not one of joy or pain, but that most of the time you're in pain or uh-huh. suffering. Uh-huh. And that that's a good thing because that's how you learn your lessons. That's how you pra- That's what causes you to practice being... Uh, in Buddha nature or reconnecting with Buddha nature, uh, but that suffering is the the path. I don't want to be a Buddhist. <laughs> well, you don't have to be. <laughs> suffering is the path, and that is kind of very, very event, very you know more um, literalist or what do you want to call it, Christian view. I mean, I think that goes hand in hand with that view as well. The, well, when we I have think, to suffer here to get into heaven or earn. Right, to earn earn the the right or earn the privilege. Earn it's not a right. And um, that the human life, because it is imperfect, is but, it requires suffering. I think, yeah, in, in the traditional... Actually, and I we both said, you know, traditional Christianity, but when I think about it, fundamentalism in any religion it has a heavy focus on oh, suffering. Fundamentalists in Islam, you know, there's this element of suffering and pain and hardship that you must go through. Uh, fundamentalism in well in Christianity, in Buddhism, um, that there's a big focus on suffering. And I think it's not the well, who who created religion? Man created religion. Mm-hmm. And so um, when when Petra talks about, when Reverend Dr. Petra Weldis talks about the Bible even and and its historical development. Of course, we end up talking about the metaphysical interpretation of it, but regardless of the interpretation of it of the Bible, the Bible's been created over time by men mm-hmm. telling a story of how what happened in the past happened. And so, uh, to a large degree, one of the comments that Reverend Peter made that really struck me was when people were were writing the Bible, they were trying to explain how things got to be the way they are. And Mm. in most cases, that meant explaining why things were so bad. Mm. So, you know, we're the chosen people, and that means we've had to struggle because we're here to set an example. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we had to be ostracized so that we would then be strong enough to set the example. Or we're the people who are in the minority because we are really following the lessons that Jesus Christ demonstrated, and so we're misunderstood. Mm. And, you know, that's suffering, but it's suffering because we are the ones who will ascend to be like Jesus are blessed by Jesus or saved by Jesus. And so in that mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're trying to explain away or give some rationale for all the bad things that have happened. And that just implies that suffering is required. 
That's interesting, but then, but it was initially done that to try to soothe the population at hand, well, and to explain. Mm-hmm. And and even now, when you think about it, that's still the perspective of all these bad things happen mm-hmm. in life. Bad things happen to people. <laughs> yeah, when we go to the psychology of it. Mm-hmm. It is very fascinating that we and. So then we would then, if my belief, you know, what we think we we create. So then if we as a society believe there has to be suffering, then we will continue to manifest and manufacture suffering until we as a group collective decide, well, we can go ahead and learn this different way or do something differently. I think um, I have heard Oprah and, and various other people, pretty much everybody that I've heard, stand up and do talks, I've always talked about, you know, we can choose to learn through joy just as much as we can learn through suffering. <laughs> and uh, I have certainly tried to try to make that my mantra so that uh, my lessons can start coming to me in joy um, because I do think that's a big deal. I do think that's a big possibility. And, um, and you know, it's interesting how we societally, you know, sometimes support each other's suffering in a strange way more than we do kind of working it out. I have a devotion that talks about that, and I um, am very interested because I do think a lot of times when I'm in a bad mood or I'm suffering, the last thing I want to be is around somebody that's happy. (laughs) You know, I want somebody to support my suffering and go come here with me, right? Oh, so let's read this devotion. It says, working in alcohol drug treatment centers, we spend lots of time preparing patients for life after discharge. We talked about the possibility of people who love them resisting or sabotaging their recovery. Everybody plays a role in the disease of addiction, and when one person gets healthy, it causes change for everybody. Others may resist the change and try to keep the status quo of the dysfunction. I have noticed as I become calmer and more at peace, there is a part of me that misses the dysfunction I lived in. I have a hunch God is bringing more and more peace into my life, and an old part of me feels the discomfort of change. Even good change takes getting used to. I understood today I need to make a conscious effort to embrace the calm and peace. I imagine soon calm and peace will feel as natural as fear and anxiety used to. So have you ever seen that phenomenon of as you stop suffering or stop living out some negative pattern, the people around you are kind of resistant to that at first? Hmm. Yeah, I would say I've experienced that a number of times, way too many times to count. Or people just tend to fall away and fall out of my life when I'm no longer playing the victim in that way or, yeah, when I make choices and I know it's the right choice for me and I'm just not going to be unhappy anymore. Mm-hmm. And the conversations can't be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. It's interesting because I do think in order to suffer... I mean, it's almost like to some extent we have to to make a commitment to it. Yeah. And uh, and and if people around us aren't honoring that commitment, if they're saying, okay, that may be happening on one level, but on another level there's all this other good stuff going on and trying to focus and trying to propel me out of this idea of suffering or out of this idea that, you know, lessons have to be learned through pain, then... Um, <laughs> I don't want to hear all those people. They, you the, know, harder, the, the bigger the pain, the bigger the lesson. Uh, it can't be an important lesson unless there's been a tremendous of amount of pain. A lot of suffering. I can't just be joyful, happy, and free. That's very interesting. It's pretty sick. It's pretty sad. So those, uh, no wonder those really happy monks or whatever that are really peaceful have to go off and live by themselves. <laughs> there's no collective... Uh, Space where we just celebrate each other's all the good, the good, and the more good, good, and the more good. And we almost have to apologize 
Rev. Petra did a sermon on that a couple of weeks ago, a talk on that a couple of weeks ago, in terms of, you know, we kind of downplay our good or not, don't embrace the wonderful wonder of our own either accomplishments or just being. When we're given a compliment or someone says something good, we kind of shun away from it or put it down or discount it. <laughs> Again, that would be kind of a subtle way of affirming our suffering versus really celebrating the joy. How wonderful it is that, oh, I love this shirt too. Oh, you know, my hair does look good. Yeah, <laughs> and, oh, you know, I didn't wash oh, my hair. Oh, nothing. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looks better. You should have seen it <laughs> a couple of days ago when I first, you know, got it cut. <laughs> No, it looks good today. Well, it it could look bad. Well, it looks good to... Never mind. Yeah. Yeah? Never mind. It's very subtle, the commitment to to feeling one down or suffering. Do you have a quote? Are you laughing to share with us, or are you just uh, pondering? I'm just pondering the conversation I was in earlier this morning where um, someone, the person I was talking to, not so much, I, I probably wouldn't say that they were talking, speaking from a place of suffering, because I think to some degree when there are challenges in front of you, you don't always realize that you're, like there's a difference between pain and suffering. So when you're in pain about something that's going on, mm-hmm. you are in pain. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it doesn't turn into suffering until you are no longer in that immediate situation, but you're still talking about it, or you're still acting as if it is today's reality, oh, uh-huh. but right. it happened a year ago. Right. You know, then it has turned into suffering. I'm choosing mm-hmm. to suffer, even though this person is not right in front of me doing this right now. Right. Um, anyway, so I was I was pondering or recalling conversation I was in earlier today with someone who was still telling the story and still reacting and feeling upset about something that happened two months ago, and really it's over Mm -hmm. in the physical realm. It can't happen again. It can't, interactions with that uh, that same person won't be the same, Mm -hmm. but this person was still this morning talking about how disappointed they were and how it was affecting their willingness mm. to do some things. And I'm like, you know, that's no longer about the other person. You know, that's about you choosing to suffer because of the pain that was inflicted two months ago. Right. And, and bringing that into every other thing you choose to do. And that's suffering. Don't mess with my reasons of why I'm suffering, right? I've got to have a reason. I've got to have something my blame and right. all. It's not my fault. It's not me doing it. Yeah. I've got other person just hadn't mm-hmm. done that two mm-hmm. months ago, mm-hmm. and everything would be okay. Well, even two months ago, honey, I'm you know twenty years ago. I can still. <laughs> yes. I can vividly tell you why I'm screwed up because twenty years ago happened, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have a couple mm-hmm. of those stories mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... And it is hard, hard, hard. You know, and I, I always do... One of my big challenges, because I have, you know, a, a desire to be living, even though, like, we all <laughs> are mystics on different levels, but, you know, I have a real desire to be, you know, really in the expression of a, a mystic, mystical life in the here and now. So one of my big challenges is always that both and of when I stub my toe and it hurts, but that's not the truth of me. I'm not the stubbed toe, you know, and, and having this, this back thing is really such a curious, I really do struggle with that because on one level I just know the back thing is just not real. It's not my body is whole and I just, you know, it knows exactly what to do and it's not messed up and 
but there's a part of me that's believing it's messed up, so therefore I'm creating I mean, I just really embrace that philosophy, but I sit here in pain, you know? So I, I do ponder that. It does, it does uh, cross, it, it crosses my mind a lot, kind of the, the actual doing of the philosophy, you know, instead of um, just having the philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to know it. Right. It's something else to experience it. Right. And it was interesting because I was saying in a class at the Center for Spiritual Living last week with Reverend Petra about my desire to try to find a more mystic connection, a community that had more mysticism to try to connect with that part of my life too and add that to my spiritual practice, my spiritual activity. And I uh, made reference that uh, there's not much um, taught about the mystic experience. And Reverend Peter was so cute. She said, well, mysticism is really something you have to experience versus something you teach. I was like, oh. 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 You know, experience. You know, I want to learn about it. (laughs) Mysticism does not happen. Oh. I have to experience it. Maybe this is partly my opportunity to experience mysticism with my back. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. So um, let's take a little break and then uh, come back. Would that work more about suffering? Welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you <clears throat> on your spiritual path with Leslie and Tracy. You know, I'm wondering, um, I'm always talking about spiritual practices, if, the spiritual practices of how to um, disconnect or move out of suffering into understanding the natural design of life is, as Ernest Holmes said, you know, um, all good. I don't, he didn't use that word all good, but that was the gist of your quote, that, you know, the design of life is to be not in suffering. And um, all the different spiritual practices we talk about, one that I had never experienced before, and we talked about actually a couple of weeks ago on the radio show I'm doing, a vision board little uh, camp at Tracy's house. And uh-huh. Tracy had done vision boards before, and we did that Saturday. We did. And that was, and it was fun. very it cool. There was no suffering involved. No suffering involved. Except and, uh, at the end when we had to talk about them. Mm. Some people didn't like to talk as much as I do. I never understand that, why people don't like <laughs> But basically there was uh-huh. no suffering involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, it is interesting to sit down and look at pictures in a magazine and to try to really formulize this is what I want and then take it out of my head and say, okay, now I need to find a picture or a word or a color that makes that generates that feeling of what I want and then finding it and then putting it on a board and then looking at that board. It is always curious to me the 
process of doing something really wonderful, how laborious that can seem on some level. Laborious? Laborious is that the right word? Yeah. Challenging. Work, you know, right. It's, it's, well, it's, it's hard like, work. like work. You know, it's like, okay, now I've got to find a picture of, you know, feeling peaceful. Damn it. You know, it's like, yeah, I guess I'm peaceful. peaceful. Yay, joy. No, now I've got to peaceful. That's really interesting. Mm. Because for some people, it's, and I think I'm kind of in the middle, but for some people, it's like, it's a creative adventure. Oh wow! I get to look at all this stuff and see what you know resonates with me, and ooh, and and it's really like fun. And I think I'm in the middle between that, it's because at least what happened for me this time, and what often happens when I'm doing a vision board is most of the time I don't decide in advance what I'm going to focus on, mm-hmm. you know. And most of the time when I've done them. I'm thinking for my whole life, like what's my vision, and mm. so different things will will come up. Um, and so this time, I really didn't. I knew I wanted to do some segments of the whole life, but I wasn't sure what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And what it turned out to be was not even on my kind of thought list, really, of that I would go in that direction. But I noticed as I started seeing what pictures what images and pictures were drawing me, that, you know, then I just asked myself the question, what's the story mm-hmm. these pictures are telling? And then it became really clear that it was about, you know, something that was emerging and how how it's going to emerge and what it means to me. Um, but, yeah, I'm in the middle because it didn't feel like work. It just felt like I'm going to be led someplace. And I'm not creative artsy enough with visual art or hand crafty kind of art that it was fun either. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like just be here, be in the present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is interesting. And, and I do think that can be a spiritual practice to kind of relieve ourselves of suffering to do that vision board and to look at because it does bring a smile every time I see it now. You know, put it up in the. Um, the images do exactly as they are designed to do, which is to bring joy or excitement or, oh, yeah, that's what I want, or that's what that feels like, that's what that looks like, and to connect that inner sense of joy and excitement and um, happiness can shift my experience out of if I walk in, you know, I'm tired or my back hurts or whatever, you know, and I see the vision board like, oh, right. So that can pop who I really am, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. becoming or being in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other spiritual practice that you can think of in terms of getting out of suffering or not? Or going through mm-hmm. suffering. Um, well, going back to Buddhist practice, the whole idea of you get to nirvana, you know, that you do leave suffering and get to nirvana and meditation is a core practice to allow you to do that, to be silent, to release um, all of the story mm-hmm. about what's going on. So, of course, meditation has to be on the spiritual practice list, as it almost always is. Um, do they believe that you can, practice, you can be living nirvana in the human body, or do you have to transcend the human body before you get to nirvana? Any idea on the answer to the, that? Well, the Buddha... Buddha. The Buddha is an example of living the experience in a human form and that each one of us has a Buddha within us. So there is that idea that we can have the Buddha within living out. And that and that in moments of you know, of meditation that those are glimpses ah. of nirvana, nirvana. You know, and that you're having a tiny experience of nirvana in that second or in those 30 seconds, or in that one-hour meditation Mm -hmm. where you have released all suffering, all pain, all story, Mm -hmm. and that you are in, yes, so you can experience it. It's not so much believed that you can experience it like 24 365, but that you can experience glimpses. Yes. And then you go back to suffering. Then go back to suffering. Then go back to your natural state of suffering. <laughs> I tell you, you, you 
know, I really have experienced, though, and I'm going to go back to what I was talking about at the beginning with that little devotion. You know, I mean, I have been in such kind of different times in my life, been just in such states of joy for no apparent reason, and people just come at me, you know, and try to, like, think it's chemical-induced or think that it's, you know, um, fake, you know. It's just interesting how collectively we support the idea of suffering and support this idea of life is hard and support this idea that, you know, we're in a situation and we have to suffer versus, you know, it's just all good all the time. Well, last week you kept using and re, re, uh, going back to the word of accountability yes. and responsibility. And it's really hard to live in a state of accountability and suffer. Yes. to do both. Yes. See, now that's why I'm pondering my little back. I know that I'm responsible, accountable, and then it's, and it's a choice on some level. Well, and when you talk about the both and, being uh-huh. in pain is not the same as suffering. Oh, that's good. So you can experience pain because that's you've good. twisted your back or you've lifted something incorrectly and your muscles are reacting to that on the physical level. Doing and it is creating too. pain because they are oh. simply not aligned the way they need to be or they haven't been exercised enough or they need to be stretched. No judgment. Oh, oh, are you saying that? No No judgment. I'm just giving some examples. Uh, There's a possibility if you sit on your butt all day (laughs) and eat pie, Leslie, that eventually something's going to break down. The physical body cannot Or I'll change to me. I go roller skating. And I get a, and I skate longer than I than my normal, or I skate harder than I normally do because the music is so great. And then I'm driving home, or the next morning I wake up and I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad about the pain. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, I skated really hard last mm-hmm. night. I'm in pain. I should be in pain. Mm-hmm. I skated longer. I stretched or pushed my muscles mm-hmm. more than they are used to being pushed. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in any sense of suffering mm-hmm. just because my body isn't, I was going to say isn't working, but it is working exactly the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. I did something that it wasn't used to, and if I skated that hard three times a week for three or four weeks, it would be used mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so your back is hurting and you're in pain. Mm-hmm. You've looked for the metaphysical connection and mm-hmm. you've found that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. So technically when you found that, you said, okay, there's no reason for me to be, for this pain to stay with me because mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Now the physical process of healing the pain Mm-hmm. is in motion, and it's not going to be with you, and you're not going to walk around whining and moaning about mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. the pain is still physically there. Right, right, right. It's in it. For a while. Yeah, right. And then again, we do, we kind of relate to that whole moaning and groaning and, you know, oh, what's going on? How can I help? And why aren't you feeling a, sorry for me that I'm experiencing qual- this pain? Yes, yes, yes. And our language. Mm-hmm. I mean, yesterday when I, um, since the middle of last week, since the day before Thanksgiving, so I guess since Wednesday, from Wednesday to Sunday, every morning I woke up with a sore throat and I, you know, didn't feel at 100%. Mm-hmm. And it would go and come, go and come, go and come. And and I realized on Sunday morning, because I it was the first day that I really totally didn't feel good. Mm. And I, that's when I thought back, oh, you know, the last few days. I heard myself say, oh, I'm fighting off a cold. Or, mm. you know, mm-hmm. oh, I feel like I have the flu. Or, you know, I'm really not feeling well. And I thought, oh, I'm just like, Wow. I'm reinforcing it with my language. Mm-hmm. 
and I had not thought to, you know, really do anything that affirmed that I am perfect, whole, and complete, and I'm well, and, you know, there is no sickness in God, and I, you know, all of that. I hadn't done any of that because it was just so subtle. Mm-hmm. And But in a way, it's a good picture of how easy it is for us to shift to suffering because mm-hmm. even though I wasn't feeling like I was suffering, if you had asked me, I wouldn't have used suffering. It's the same pattern because mm-hmm. in my language, mm-hmm. I was like staying with the illness. I'm fighting it. Oh, that's giving it power. Mm-hmm. And I've got to fight it. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have to fight it. It just needs to go away. <laughs> and so, you know, when I had when I had a when I realized that, and then I asked a practitioner to um, do a, a spiritual mind treatment for it. You know, it was really interesting because as she affirmed the the truth of my body and the pattern of perfect health that is in every cell of my body and the release of mm-hmm. any belief in illness and, you know, letting go of any power that sickness might have over me and whether it's conscious or subconscious and, you know, the power of my health, the design of perfect health, all of that, it's like I was resonating with it and resonating with it and resonating with it. And just like we usually resonate with the suffering energy, mm-hmm. I started resonating with the health energy mm-hmm. And there really was a moment where I knew I was healed. Mm-hmm. It's done. I'm not suffering with this. In fact, there's no place in my body for this to live. Mm-hmm. So it's like we can go either way, but we have to consciously. I think we. it's more important for us to consciously choose the positive and release the suffering. And the suffering we just kind of slip into mm-hmm. subconsciously. A knee-jerk reaction. Right. We don't think about it. We don't necessarily choose it. We default just do mode. it. Yeah. And that's what's scary, that that's yes. default mode when it's not really giving us power or giving us strength. And then as soon as I was really clear that, oh, yeah, wait a minute, you know, it's gone, that's great. But then I still, because for five days I've been nursing these physical symptoms, you know, they had to go someplace, they didn't just disappear. So in some ways, I was exhibiting more sickness after mm-hmm. the treatment than mm-hmm. before because it had to get up and out of my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then I, you know, had all kinds of physical stuff going on that I just hadn't happened. But now 24 hours, not quite 24 hours later, it's like, yeah, I really do know. I'm better. I'm so much better. And that sickness is not who I am. Mm-hmm. But I could have stayed in the slow, easy, low boil, simmer, ooh, simmering, suffering, suffering in the simmer position or something around that. But that simmer is just there until it boiled over and I got really sick. And then suffered with that. Please feel sorry for me. Who's going to bring me chicken soup? And I would. I'd help you suffer. <laughs> you know that uh, that saying, simmering, that makes me think of how the old adage, how do you, how do you boil a frog? Mm-hmm. One degree at a time. Mm-hmm. It just kind of builds up and up and up, and you don't even know, and then you're all of a sudden, you're boiling. Exactly. And I think that's what happens mm-hmm. to us a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we suffer because... It's, it happens so gradually that we just think that is the way our life is supposed to be. Well, then we suddenly are suffering so much, and we're like, oh, goodness, how did this happen? How did I get here? Right. Why, where did all this crap come from? <laughs> and it, uh, with the vision board camp, we had one of the gals, one of the women at the vision board camp, termed uh, the word camp. I thought that was cute. Camp day, vision day, vision camp. But during that experience, Tracy played different little movies on positive thinking, and one of them was on Louise Hay, and this guy that works with her, he said at one point he made just some conversation with her saying, well, 
that's a that's good. That's you know that that'll be killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. And she stopped him and said, "Well, why would you want to kill two birds?" And he said, "You know, if you work around the weeds or you walk talk around, he said you very quickly will monitor every word out of your mouth." And when they thought about that, and then we listened and heard the secret again. And then one of the other little shorts that you had that I had never seen before was the story of the concept of this guy that walked up to a stranger and he was going to be the observer and how would we, you know, look differently if everything that we did was being observed. And I walked away from that understanding because I get such a grief from my siblings. I try to, because they just will say like, oh, this is a mess or oh, this is such a terror. And I'm like, don't say that, don't say that. And they're like, you know, you just can't monitor everything. And then I think, well, maybe you can't monitor everything. But then, you know, listening to that Saturday, all those different little shorts, it's like, yes, we can, and not only can we, you know, that is our challenge, that is our choice, that is our accountability. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. Yes, I absolutely choose to, and I absolutely want people in my life that when I slip up and say, oh, that was a mess yesterday, you know, the traffic was a mess. Even if I'm not even attaching the mess to me, mm-hmm. I don't. I want to get to that level where my, my words are so in tune with what my belief is, mm-hmm. you know, and it's um, interesting to watch. Interesting, I use the word interesting a lot. <laughs> But it's you know it's uh, it's uh, it's sad to watch how we support you know the, each other in our dysfunction. But when we step up and try to kind of step into each other's life in a positive way, it's like ah oh, don't do don't do that. You know, don't don't expect me to be all that. Yeah, the the whole idea of our lives unfold based on what we the combination of what we believe and what we do. Because a lot of people believe a lot of good things, but they don't necessarily take action mm-hmm. to reflect those beliefs. It's just all in their head. Even for us in, you know, what's lovingly called new thought, ancient wisdom. But, you know, one of my challenges for 20 plus, 25 plus years of being in new thought being engaged and involved in new thought is that so many people just think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I want new thought that leads to a new way of living. New action, new life. And, um, you know, so it's that combination of what we believe and what we do. And, um, or else you still end up suffering just as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about it a different way. <laughs> But having an elitist suffering, I think my suffering is elitist, really, you know. There's something better about my suffering because I'm aware of it, right? I have this awareness. I love all the metaphysical books. If you read metaphysical books, within the first chapter, each one of them, my experience has been, at some point, they'll affirm me for reading it and that I must have really gone a certain path of distinction to be drawn to this particular book. I am going I always, to so invite you. I always like that. Like, see, I am the smartest one. <laughs> I am going to so invite you to release this idea of better or worse. I don't know what I have then because, if I can't be better then. Because oh. all paths oh. lead to God. Oh. And the path that person A is on uh-huh. is the perfect path oh. for person A. The book told me I was more mature in my spiritual path because I was drawn to this book. It's funny, funny, funny. Very hilarious. I wonder what I manifest by saying funny all the time. More funny things. <laughs> but the, the idea of working in things, taking work or things taking suffering, I think that we can, do we say that a, we don't believe that is is a premise, but B, our spiritual practices can affirm when we forget that or we drop into that. Well, I don't think it's a requirement. I don't believe that it is a requirement to suffer, right. to grow. 
I agree. I at the same time I I observe that for many of us as human beings we don't act as if that's true. We you know, we act as if we re- need suffering in order to grow or change. Oh. But I don't believe that we do. We need suffering. And I, you know, and I can think of ex- ex- examples in my own life of both where I saw where I chose to change and it did not require me to suffer. Mm-hmm. I just chose a different direction or a new thing or a new path and I did not need to suffer or have something bad happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are also times where I had to keep hitting my head, you know, <laughs> against the proverbial brick wall over and over and over and over and over again and suffer through it and be in pain and feel hopeless and fearful and all of those things before it, the light bulb would, you know, come on and go, oh, I just mean if I would stop doing X, mm-hmm. then I could have why, you know, or if I would stop going in the same pattern and step over one layer to a new pattern, it would look different. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've done both. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I deeply believe that it is not a requirement to do suffering. Yeah. No, I deeply believe that as well. I'm just about ready to start practicing that. <laughs> and deep go and take it from belief to behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have uh, another devotion. It's called surrender, and I like the idea of surrendering. It's always been a a part of my path. Surrender, Leslie. The words from my spiritual teacher washed over me like warm water. Can it really be that simple? Don't I need to pray, meditate, do some spiritual ritual to resolve, understand, and fix the issue? As the day passed, questions and ideas rattled through my mind. I took no action but to say, surrender, Leslie, surrender, Leslie, surrender, Leslie. By day's end, I felt the warm water of my teacher's words within my soul. They soothed, released, they relieved. And by nightfall, I felt peace. I have a hunch God is able to more easily flow through me when I surrender, when I am busy doing to get an answer, solution, or resolution to an issue. I may be blocking the very energy I seek to gain the solution I request. Twelve-step programs say let go and let God. Yesterday I was reminded when I let go and surrender, I am really just making room for God to go into action. Wow. Surrender and suffering. You know, because in a strange way, another one of the quotes from one of those movies you showed during the vision board was Mother Teresa, and make sure I say this right, that she would never go to an anti-war rally or let's fight drugs. But if she, you were going to a peace rally or, you know, to, to go towards the thing that you want versus fighting the thing that you don't want. Right, because you give energy to, you're giving energy to whatever you're paying attention to. So if you're constantly fighting something, you're giving it more energy and more power and you're putting more attention on it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she does have, there is a quote from her about don't invite me to an anti-war rally, but if you have a peace rally, let me know. Let me go, okay. And that, to me, in a way, is kind of like surrendering, you know, not not having that fight within me or not feeling that I have to be in constant action or doing, that I can just surrender as the natural design, the natural flow. That certainly is the opposite of suffering, the natural design, the natural flow then that has a space to come into when I surrender, when I let go. I'm just thinking about that. Think about that for I'm a minute. Thinking I'm thinking, letting, am I letting go or am I choosing peace? Mm. Mm. Am I letting go or, is, or am I choosing love? That would be a, 
a third kingdom or a fourth kingdom question. We know about the four kingdoms we talked about in this. The third kingdom is life being done through me. So that would be more of a surrendering kind of thing. And the fourth kingdom being life is done as me. That would be more of a choosing, expressing. I am God, expressing, maybe. Maybe. Because I do know one of the, the journeys that I had to kind of process is I get more information about new thought and how science of the mind specifically works mm-hmm. is coming from a 12-step background. It's very much a surrender on the conduit. God from the outside comes in through me, and I've experienced that very clearly in that channel and opening that channel versus now seeing me as that you know there's something within me that comes out. The channel doesn't come from up above, down through my head, in and out, but it's within my chakra, my soul, and it comes out. That's a, a shift that I go back and forth with being able to mm-hmm. work with. Well, yeah, in the context of, I mean, if you've got to go through kingdom two where, you know, I'm responsible and I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to do the right thing and it's like there. And then when I'm doing that, then I can move to that next place where I'm not the doer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not the doer, it, but it happens through me. And, yeah, and it can only do that once you've been the doer and understand you're directly connected with God or with spirit. I love that. Our time is winding down rapidly. And we did talk about suffering for an hour. I was wondering if we would be able to. Last week you said you didn't think we would uh, make that hour, but we did. We could talk about anything for an hour. Pretty much. I talked about anger for an hour by myself, so that really... (laughs) And are you angry about it? (laughs) That still surprises me that I could talk about it for an hour by myself. Yeah, we could talk about just about anything Mm -hmm. for an hour. Um, But let's uh, close with a comment. Another quote from Ernest Holmes, if I can find what I did with it. All things work for our good. Even that which we call evil is a salutation leading us to the way, the truth, and the life. Suffering should teach us a lesson which would cause us to refrain from making more mistakes. It carries a blessing with it when we learn how to garner knowledge from the experience. So I think we, you know, we've both both said that, you know, suffering is something we tend to go to automatically, but if we get stuck in it, and we don't learn from it, and we don't use it to see what's going on and then choose a different path, Mm -hmm. then it's kind of a waste. So it just gets more intense. Right. And then we get, right, and then we live in victim mode. Mm -hmm. And uh, who does that serve? Mm -hmm. So anything else on suffering? Suffering today, I will choose not to suffer and to have the both hand with my back. Muscles are realigning to uh, go back into their natural patterns. I'm going to choose not to suffer in my pain, my physical pain. Great. And we have no future topics, but there will be future (laughs) shows. I was tempted to say we have no future topics, which I guess means today's the last Yes to Spirit show. But Leslie and I will have a little chat and and figure out what uh, topics uh, we're supposed to be talking about. So we hope you will join us on Monday mornings from 11 a.m. to noon Central Time right here at Say Yes to Spirit. And between now and the next show, please visit us at GodInMyDay.com where there are uh, daily inspirational messages, meditations, songs, and ideas for you to remember to look for God in your day. In the meantime, we encourage you to just say yes to spirit.
Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.